Hi everyone, my name is Ryan Alexander and I serve as the lead pastor at Hosanna. As we've been saying for years, we believe the Lord led you here. And we hope that what you hear today will encourage you to take a step forward in your faith journey and help you look more like Jesus. After today's message, I encourage you to download the Hosanna app for more opportunities to connect and grow. Here's today's message. Uh, if we have not met before, my name is Jason. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And uh, if, if you're brand new to the faith, if you're just exploring matters of faith, or maybe you've been here for a really long time, well done investing an hour to grow in your faith. And it, it may seem like a really simple thing, but it's a big deal because our faith shapes the way we see pretty much everything, whether that's ourselves, uh, others, our relationships in the world around us. So very well done. Uh, if you are one of the people who give back to God through this church, uh, just know that every time you give, you are giving directly to our mission, which is to help people look more like Jesus and then multiply Jesus. Everything we do, every ministry we have, every organization that we partner with falls under that missional umbrella, so thank you. And if you'd like to give towards that cause today, all you need to do is text Hosanna Give to 94000. You'll get a link back that'll get you started, or you can drop your gift in one of the giving boxes in the lobby of your campus. Otherwise, today, today we are uh, going to kick off a brand new four-week series as we are continuing through our year-long journey where we are focusing exclusively on Jesus. And so for the next four weeks, we are going to look at the stories Jesus told, otherwise known as parables. And so what I'm going to do today is just lay some foundational groundwork that will hopefully serve us well for the, the rest of this series. And then after that, we will focus on our parable for today. So if you have spent any length of time reading through the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, not so much John, but Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you have read Jesus telling a parable. Now, a parable literally means to throw alongside. It's where a story is thrown alongside a deeper spiritual truth to be taught. And Jesus would use illustrations and stories of things that his listeners very much would be familiar with, whether that's fishing or farming or managing money or shepherding animals. It, would be, it was very culturally relevant to the people back then. Um, the second thing to make note of is that, um, well, actually three different things to really note around the, the parables of Jesus. Number one, it was typically exclusively about the kingdom of heaven. He wanted to make sure his listeners understood uh, the kind of kingdom that he came to bring. That you know, we are here to serve, not be served. That we, uh, we pray for our enemies. We live and give sacrificially to the point where his listeners back then would kind of go, wait, what? But that was the kind of kingdom that Jesus came to bring. Second thing to note about parables is uh, while everyone understood the story that Jesus was telling, they didn't always understand the deeper spiritual meaning. At one point, his disciples just flat out asked Jesus, why do you teach in these parables? And take a look at what Jesus said. You are permitted to understand the secrets of, my, of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given, and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. That is why I use these parables. In other words, those who are open to Jesus as Lord, those who follow him, they will listen and understand and grow in wisdom and knowledge. Yet those who reject Jesus, who reject him as the perfect image of our Heavenly Father, to them, the stories will always be just that, stories with no deeper spiritual meaning. 
Final thing to note about parables is uh, Jesus really intended one primary meaning for a parable. And to be sure, there are times we can pull multiple applications out of a parable, but for the most part, Jesus didn't layer meaning on, uh, on top of meaning on top of meaning kind of thing. So we just need to be careful not to make a parable say something that it doesn't. I'll give you a real quick example. Matthew 21, Jesus is talking to a group of the religious leaders of the day known as Pharisees, and they were the folks that Jesus had the most conflicts with. And so he's telling this parable about a guy who owns a vineyard, and he leases out the vineyard to some farmers, and then the owner moves away. When it was time for the owner to receive his share of the wine, he sent uh, a few guys to go collect the wine, except the farmers beat one of them, stoned one of them, and killed one of them. Uh, the owner sent a larger group, and the same thing happened. Finally, the owner was like, okay, I'm going to send my son because surely they will respect my son. They killed the son. And Jesus turns to the Pharisees and he asks, what do you think the owner will do when he returns? And the Pharisees say, well, surely they will put these men to death and then lease the land to somebody else. And Jesus says, exactly. And that's when the Pharisees realized that they were the evil farmers in this parable and that the kingdom of heaven was going to be taken away from them and given to someone else. Non-Jewish people, including Gentiles, where more spiritual fruit would be born. So there you go. A little bit of foundation, three things just to keep in, our, keep in mind as we go through this series that will hopefully serve us well. And so now we can turn our attention towards our parable for today. And it is a parable that is going to challenge us to answer the question, how is your soil management? Now, about a month ago, uh, I'm working in my front yard, and I'm raking up dead grass, and I'm loosening up the soil, and I'm putting down new grass seed, covering it with topsoil because of the incredibly, stupidly annoying voles and what they did over the course of the winter. If you are not familiar, a vole is a small mouse-like creature that burrows under the snow all winter long. They just keep using the same trails and they, they kill your grass. So when your snow melts you know, in the spring, you've got all this brown dead grass everywhere. That is not to be confused with a mole. A mole is a much larger, uglier creature that burrows under your lawn, killing your grass that way. Okay, quick sidebar here. If anyone has solved your vole problem, I would love to know, okay? I brought you the thermocell. I'm hoping someone can help me <laughs> with my vole problem, okay? But back to working in the front yard. Uh, I'm, I'm squatted down. I'm work, working in the grass, and this car slowly rolls up next to me and stops. And there's two women in the car. I, I don't know if they were friends or if it was a mother-daughter situation, but the passenger had her window down, and she was laughing. She was cackling actually, and the driver leaned forward and said, she thinks it's embarrassing that we're stopping. Okay, and I, I said, what, what can I try to help you with? And the driver said, do you know where the thrift thing is? And I kind of leaned in and I said, did you say thrift thing? And that's when the passenger stopped laughing long enough to say, we're from Wisconsin. <laughs> I said, so let me understand this. You were driving along and you saw a middle-aged man working in his lawn and you thought to yourself, here's a guy that can help us find the thrift thing. <laughs> and now both of them were cackling. And I just said, I I'm, I'm really sorry. I'm the last guy in the world <laughs> that would be able to help you. Uh, if, if my wife was home, I would go in and see if she could help you out, but she's not here. And that's when the driver said, she's probably at the thrift thing. 
I said, no, but good one. And off the cackling pair went. Now, the reason I tell you that story is that it involved a sower, soil, and seed. And that is exactly what our parable is about today. A sower, soil, and seed. And I just threw in the conversation with the ladies for fun because it was just an interesting conversation to have. They have nothing to do with the parable today, okay? Of all the parables that we could have talked about, we knew we needed to include this one because of the implications and application it has for us as followers of Jesus. But even if you're not a follower of Jesus here today, this is probably going to resonate with you a different way because this parable could be the reason you are here today or it might be the reason why you held faith at arm's length for as long as you did. Ultimately, though, this parable is going to help us answer the question, how is our soil management? So if you brought your Bible or you got your Bible app and you want to follow along, go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. Uh, if you didn't bring a Bible, don't worry. The, the verses will be up on the side screens here. Uh, but just to give you a little context here, uh, all through chapter 12, Jesus and the Pharisees, they're having conflict after conflict because the Pharisees are trying to trick Jesus into saying something that they can use against him so they can convict him and kill him. Jesus knows what they're doing, and so he and the disciples leave the area, but chapter 12 comes to a close with Jesus saying these beautifully profound words, anyone who does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister. Chapter 13 opens up. It's just later the same day. They just went to a different uh, area, and he and the disciples are by this lake. And pretty soon this large crowd gathers, and Jesus decides, well, now's a great time for a parable. And so as he did uh, occasionally, because they were at, uh, at a lake, he just stepped into a boat just offshore. He turned around to the crowd, and he launches into this parable. So let's see what he says, starting in verse 3. Jesus says, listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. So here we go. Textbook parable by Jesus. But in my opinion, and this is just my opinion, I, I think it's one of the more challenging ones for his original listeners to understand the deeper spiritual meaning. Uh, see, I say that because so often Jesus would launch into a parable after a conflict with the Pharisees, and so his listeners would understand the context by which he's you know, telling this parable. Here, there's no context. A crowd shows up, Jesus steps into a boat, and he just launches into this parable. Yet, they can certainly understand what he's talking about, because they've all sown seeds at some point. So they would understand, well, of course, the, the seed that falls on the footpath, the bird is going to eat, because a footpath isn't designed for farming. It's hard, packed-down soil. It hasn't been tilled up. They would know, well, of course, the seed that falls on the shallow soil, that, that seed's going to sprout up quickly because that, that ground is warmer than some of the surrounding ground because of the rock underneath it. But because the roots don't go down very you know, deeply, it's soon going to die away. They would know, okay, the seed that falls in with the thorns over here, that's fertile soil because the thorns are growing. But, of course, anything that, that grows, that sprouts up, it's going to get choked out by the thorns. 
The only thing that may have made his listeners kind of tilt their head in a little bit of confusion is when Jesus spoke in hyperbole saying that the one seed falling on fertile soil is gonna produce 30, 60, 100 times more than was sown. But that was part of the strategy of Jesus. Because he's not trying to give a lesson on how to sow seeds. He's trying to communicate a deeper spiritual meaning. That's why he says anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. He's not talking about the actual ability to hear and understand what he's saying. He's talking about the, the deeper spiritual meaning. And again, some are going to understand and some won't. And God knew this from the very beginning. That some were going to follow Jesus and others were going to reject him. In fact, after Jesus uh, tells the disciples why he speaks in parables, he unpacks it even further. So skip down to verse 14, and Jesus says this. This fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah that says, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened, and their ears cannot hear, and they have closed their eyes. So their eyes cannot see, and their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. So what Jesus is essentially saying is, when it comes to his parables, they reveal truth to those who want to know truth, and they conceal truth from those who don't want to know truth. And I'm guessing that for most, if not all of us listening right now, we know someone who does not want to know the truth. It could be a friend, family member, coworker, where you've just, you've just actively lived out your faith around them. Maybe you've you know, even had a spiritual conversation or two, and it just seems like it's always falling on deaf ears. There's a person in my life that over the years, we have had very friendly debates about Jesus and faith, but it just hasn't mattered how sound my argument is. It hasn't mattered how this biblical truth is rooted in historical fact. He has rejected, you know, everything that I have said to him. I've, the times I've encouraged him, you, you should just you know, check this out for yourself. He just you know, shrugs his shoulders and that's about it. But then he had a freak accident. An accident that landed him in the hospital, emergency surgery, and shortly after that he reached out to me because he realized how close to death he really was. And probably two weeks later he was sitting in my living room. Except this time there was no debating. I asked questions, he asked questions. There's a lot of listening going on between the two of us. And I had the opportunity just to be able to say the, the hope and the peace that can come through Jesus. How we all live with a dash. We have a birthday, a dash, and a death day waiting for us. But this incredible gift of Grace and forgiveness is offered to everyone who puts their faith in Jesus as their Savior. At one point, I, I just looked at him and I said, it's no accident you're sitting here today. Clearly, God is doing something in your life. Don't ignore that. Lean into it. You have nothing to lose. You have everything to gain. At the end of our time, he said, thank you. You've given me a lot to think about. And these days, as far as I can tell, he is no closer to following Jesus than he was before the accident. Now, I still pray for him. I pray that one day he will find and follow Jesus. But he may be the person that Jesus is talking about, that he has closed his eyes, he has closed his ears, he has hardened his heart and will not allow Jesus to heal him spiritually. But that's part of the point of the parable. 
So Jesus gets done telling this parable to the crowd, and now he's going to tell its meaning. But not to the crowd. He tells the meaning of the parable only to his disciples, which is why I say I think it was hard for that, the original listeners to understand that deeper spiritual meaning. But Jesus turns to the disciples, and he says this, starting in verse 18. Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it or have hardened their heart toward it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They, they fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on the good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as has been planted. So, here we have four different kinds of soil representing four different kinds of people, and out of this particular parable, I think we have two applications, two takeaways for us. And the first one is around our soil management. Where are you on the soil spectrum these days? You know, for some of you, again, you're just returning to faith, or maybe you're exploring matters of faith, and you would probably freely admit there was a time you hardened your heart towards Jesus, you kept him at arm's length. But like my friend, something is stirring in you these days. God is doing something in you where you find yourself curious or wanting more than what this life has offered you so far. Here's my encouragement for you. Remember, you have a spiritual enemy who would love to pluck that seed of faith away. He would love it if you hardened your heart towards Jesus once again. So here's, here's my encouragement. Continue to do things that will soften the soil of your heart so that seed can grow. Simple things like when you get up in the morning, just a very honest, simple prayer could be, Lord, I have questions, but soften the soil of my heart. It could be things like just join us for our Facebook devotions, you know, weekdays at 7 a.m. It could be reading along with our Bible reading plan. We, we put those together every week. So I would even say download Hosanna's app because it's going to help you do all the things that I just talked about. Bottom line, as you do this, you are going to continue to grow in understanding and wisdom, and it will soften the soil of your heart and allow that seed of faith to continue to grow. Second kind of person is the person that has a seed of faith, but it may not last. Meaning, you might have your hand on the doorknob of faith and you are ready to walk out. Could be for any number of reasons. Could be the way another Christian treated you. It could be a prayer that didn't get answered the way you wanted or the circumstance that you're going through or maybe not fully understanding what it means to follow Jesus because we are still gonna have problems and struggles this side of heaven. But for whatever the reason, you have your hand on the doorknob of faith and here, here's my, my encouragement. Just hit the pause button and intentionally allow your roots to go down deeper, especially in the promises of God. Promises like Romans 8.38, nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. Your circumstance that you may be going through right now is not a reflection of your heavenly Father's love for you. 
when we anchor ourselves in those promises, it shows us who Jesus really is and how much he truly does love those who love and follow him. So please, just pause and let your roots go down deeper, especially in the promises of God. Third kind of person. They, they have a faith, but there are so many other things growing in that same soil. <laughs> now that might describe you or it might describe a lot of us. We, we have a faith, but there are so many other things in our life that are competing with that time that it may well choke out our ability to follow Jesus. And, and what's competing, man, that list can be long, whether it's kids' sports, where you feel like you're going three different directions five days a week. It could be adult sports, golf, softball. It could be going to the cabin, or, or maybe it could be like a value thing where the person values building their career or making money or finding Mr. or Mrs. Right more than they do following Jesus. Now, all those things that I just mentioned, they're not bad in and of themselves. The problem comes when push comes to shove, what are we going to prioritize more than following Jesus? That's when following him starts to get choked out. So when you hear us you know, stand up here on the platform and we invite you to be a part of a community group or invite you to serve two things that are essential to help us grow in our faith, you think to yourself, are you nuts? I don't have time for that. If, if that describes you at all, here's my encouragement. Honestly, and I say honestly because it's really easy to lie to ourselves. Honestly evaluate what you're prioritizing and why. If you're married, talk about this as a couple. What you're prioritizing and why. And the reason this is such a big deal is when we prioritize following Jesus first, doesn't mean we have to not do all of these other things, but when we prioritize following Jesus first, life goes better and you get better at life. Life goes better and you get better at life. Final kind of person. <laughs> They're the person who listen and understands what Jesus had to say. They, they have been a dedicated follower of his. Their roots have gone down deeply into his truth and his promises. And I know this describes so many people listening right now. Your seed of faith, it blossomed a long time ago. And as you've just been faithfully walking with Jesus, you've been starting to help other people along the way. You know, maybe you've been a community group leader. Maybe you've actually led people to Jesus. Maybe you've mentored people over the years, which is exactly the kind of church that we want to be because that's when followers are helping to make more followers. And the reason we want to be this kind of church is because Jesus modeled living this way for us. He gave us our marching orders before he left to go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And this is where that seed has the, the ability to produce 30, 60, 100 times more than what it, was, what it was originally planted because now it is disciples who make disciples who make more disciples. That is exactly the kind of church we want to be. So there, there's our first takeaway is how is your soil management going? Where are you on the soil spectrum? And just a quick note here. It's not linear. There are times that you're going to find yourself and describe yourself as being different soils at different times, and that is 100% normal. But of course, the goal is to be fertile soil. What steps can you take to make your soil more fertile so that the seed of faith continue to blossom and grow in your life? Second application is a little different. 
how is your sowing going? See, what's interesting about this parable is Jesus, when he talks about the sower of the seed, he doesn't fault the sower for not making the seed grow. The seed is wholly dependent on the soil that it falls on. So our job as followers of Jesus is to simply sow seeds. By the way we live, by the conversations we have, consistently, regularly, gently sowing seeds. And I say gently because for some of you, again, someone might have sown a seed of faith in you and that's why you're here today. You accepted an invitation to come to church But for others of you, you might say, this is why you held faith at arm's length for as long as you did, because there was someone in your life who was bound and determined to make the seed of faith grow. They hammered you, talking about Jesus and faith, to the the point where, understandably, you might have been at a point where you're like, shut up already. Leave me alone. The truth is, I have never known anyone who has been guilted or shamed or forced into a faith that had any sort of lasting effect. So gently, sow seeds of faith by the way we live and the conversations we have. So there you go. How's your soil and how's your sowing? And if you think about it, it's just another way to talk about our mission as a church. How's your soil looking more like Jesus? And how's your sowing multiplying Jesus? That's the kind of church we want to be, and may it be so for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you have been so gracious with us that you make your truth more understandable, more relatable through the stories that you told. So Lord, may this one be sticky for all of us. Give us by the power of your Holy Spirit, just the courage to to honestly evaluate how is my soil these days? What, What can I do to help make that seed of faith grow just that much more? And then, Lord, man, by, again, the prompting of your Holy Spirit, when it when it is time to gently sow a seed of faith, boy, help us step out in faith and do just that, knowing we can't change a human heart. You just call us to sow the seed, and you take care of the rest. So, Father, give us peace as we lean into spiritual conversations with people and make it abundantly clear when you want us to step into one, because ultimately, you're responsible to see that seed grow. So, Father, thank you. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for your love, and we pray all of this in your son's name. Amen. Amen.